Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello, America. It is Eric Erickson. I hope you're doing great today. Got hope you got blue skies wherever you are. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. I, we got to talk about the oil thing, but I just, I, I, I meant to say something else in the last hour, and I want to say it here. I know this can be misconstrued by a lot of people willfully. I am actually in the camp that thinks character does count. That's why I didn't vote for Trump in 2016. Even though people were not only just pressuring me, showed up in my house to threaten me. Character counts. I think when you keep electing clowns to Washington, you can't be surprised when it turns into a circus. But I, I, I got I to gotta play some audio. This is from Joe Scarborough, who I've, I've got a good relationship with Joe. He's on MSNBC. We may disagree on stuff, but he's always been very kind to me. But I, I got to play you this audio. More importantly, I expected quite a few to come out and defend Mitch McConnell and his wife, the, 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 the soon-to-be, many of them believe, majority leader, and his wife uh, from, from racist attacks. But, man, they are standing shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder regardless whatever uh, horrific conduct is taking place. And th- this is him talking about Republicans. They're not coming out and, and uh, denouncing Donald Trump for a lot of his stuff, although a good number of them did come out to defend Mitch McConnell. It was, um, sounded racist to me what Donald Trump was saying. But really this is in the context of Herschel Walker and why aren't Republicans attacking why aren't Republicans denouncing? Why aren't Republicans running away from him? Raphael Warnock ran over his wife with a car, according to Raphael Warnock's own wife, ex-wife. The police say there's no evidence of it. They showed up. She called 911 when, by the time they got there, she was walking it back. He was there. In a normal situation, Most people would say, well, she was probably scared of him. He just ran her over her foot. And she probably walked it all back because he was standing there and was scared. In a normal situation, it would become a thing that Raphael Warnock was able to get his divorce records sealed. That's right. Raphael Warnock's divorce records were sealed. One of her allegations is that Raphael Warnock would abandon his children and leave them in the care of other people. PolitiFact says, well, we can't confirm that. She says that, but the custody case is filed under seal. No details are publicly available. Hmm. Shouldn't reporters be raising questions about that? A process server tried to serve Raphael Warnock with court papers related to child support and child custody, and Raphael Warnock ran away from him to avoid being served. Raphael Warnock's ex-wife appeared in an ad saying that she'd worked very hard to conceal Raphael Warnock's behavior from other people. It's all in an ad. He hit his wife with his car. She accused him of neglecting his children. He ran from a process server, tried to, tried to serve him papers for child custody. These are all attacks on Raphael Warnock, and you don't see Democrats running from him, do you? 
I understand character should count. But I also understand that when Democrats say, well, Republicans should denounce Herschel Walker, and then they say, oh, well, all the stuff about Raphael Warnock, it's not really true. It's just a false attack. Uh, you're not going to expect Republicans to unilaterally disarm these days. You're not going to. All candidates who run for office have skeletons in their closet. Everybody knows this. You can't expect one side to unilaterally disarm when the media, which is already biased against that party, outs that party's skeletons and works overtime to cover up the skeletons on the other party. Raphael Warnock. We see him on TV, but what is he really hiding? Here's what his ex-wife had to say. I've tried to keep the way that he acts under wraps for a long time. During their divorce two years ago, police were called when Warnock hit his wife with his car after an argument. Earlier this year, he was accused of neglecting his small children and failing to pay court-mandated childcare costs despite being worth more than $800,000 and making $174,000 a year from taxpayers. When officials tried to serve him papers, Warnock ran from the process server. Georgia voters are learning a lot about Senator Warnock, but take it from the people who know him best. He's a great actor, 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 actor. That's the ad an outside group ran against Raphael Warnock. The media largely ignored all those allegations. The fact checkers tried to dismiss and said, well, we can't prove them because his court records are sealed. You can't expect Republicans to run away from Herschel Walker, who, by the way, wrote a book about his sins, doesn't mention the abortion. He denies it happened. I don't know. But he wrote wrote a book about all the other sins that he had. He did TV interviews. He said he was uh, trying to raise awareness on mental health. He was looking for redemption. That was years ago after all these things happened. Um, and he charted a new course in life. Uh, he he clearly tried to, to change his life. And here's Warnock. His allegations are only from the last few years. It's not just that, you know. Um, Raphael Warnock has been getting money, it appears, from his church for a housing allowance. They, they're they not allowed to pay him a salary under congressional rules, but it looks like they're subsidizing his housing in some way, which he's not supposed to do. It's a conflict of interest, but he's thus far been allowed to get away with it by the Democrats in the Senate. The media hasn't cared about that. I mean, my point here is not, and don't hear me saying I'm justifying anything about Herschel Walker. My point, however, is to point out to people that Raphael Warnock has all sorts of bad things in his closet, from running over his wife with a car to running away from a process server to avoid having to pay child support to all sorts of other accusations, including child abandonment in a sealed divorce court uh, proceeding. And the Democrats are like, I can't believe you Republicans would stand by Herschel Walker. Why aren't you saying the same? Look at John Fetterman. John Fetterman, there's new videotape today of John Fetterman vandalizing signage at a black-owned business in the town where he was mayor. John Fetterman chased a black man down the road with a gun. And the Democrats are standing by their man. He's refused to pay taxes. He's avoided paying taxes. He said tax liens on his property. He lied about his background and lived in his parents' basement. The Democrats are standing by their man. Why is it always the Republicans who are expected to abandon their man when the Democrats have candidates with just as many flaws and they stand by their man? I personally think it's wrong on both sides. I think the candidates matter. I think character counts. I think that both sides should have better candidates. 
both sides should nominate candidates who give you a reason to vote for them, not just a reason to vote against the other side. Both Republicans and Democrats alike have fallen into the lure of celebrity. And in falling into the lure of celebrity, they're getting Hollywood values, not Christian values. They're getting people who make a big splash, who may be devoid of any intellect, but they can sign a lot of autographs and have a pretty smile. But I completely understand how the Republican Party, which used to say character counted during the Clinton administration when Democrats were all about apologizing for Bill Clinton, I can understand why Republicans said, well, I mean, if they're not going to do it, why should we do it? The media is already aligned against us. The media is going to amplify stories that criticize us. The media is going to find the skeletons in the closets of our candidates and suppress the skeletons in the closets of the Democratic candidates. Why should we go along with what the Democrats want to do? Why shouldn't we stay and fight? I totally get the response. As much as I think both parties have turned Washington into a clown show by sending to Washington the people they're sending, by not focusing on the content and quality of someone's character, I understand why the Republicans are saying, you know what? I don't care what our candidates did. The Democrats clearly don't care what their candidates did. And if they're not going to care what our candidate, what their candidates did, we're not going to care what our candidates did. Candidate quality still has to matter. The Republicans would be doing a much better job in 2022 had they had a higher class quality uh, caliber of candidates. It's just true. They would. But that doesn't mean they're going to lose. What it also means is that voters, when given two crap candidates, are really going to choose between the lesser of two evils. And they acknowledge both sides are evil, but we're picking the one that's slightly less evil. And sometimes that'll be the Republicans. Sometimes that'll be the Democrats. In a year when you have high gas prices, high inflation, high grocery bills, a recession coming, they're going to vote Republican even with a lot of bad candidates. And they're going to say, well, they may be bad candidates, but at least they're not Democrats. Now, turnout's fair play, and the GOP needs to understand this. There will come a time when Republicans control the White House and Congress, and the economy tanks, and the Democrats nominate a slew of candidates who aren't so great, and the voters are going to say, hey, Republicans, uh, we, we voted for your bad candidates back then. This time we're voting for their bad candidates because you're in charge and the economy sucks. You've just got to understand that. You've just got to understand that's what's happening here. You've just got to understand that the Republicans, as much as you or I may think character should count, I can't really blame them for saying we're going to stand by our man because that's what the Democrats always do, and we can't let the Democrats and their friends in the media continue to savage our candidates and cover up for their candidates who are just as bad. Herschel Walker had flaws. He wrote a book. He sought redemption. He asked for forgiveness. He's running for uh, the U.S. Senate in part to raise awareness about mental health. That interview with his ex-wife talking about him holding a gun to her head was done in conjunction with Herschel Walker's rollout of his book on mental health to raise awareness to help people and destigmatize mental health in this country. And Raphael Warnock, the Reverend Raphael Warnock, whose God Almighty says believe in redemption and give second chances, wants 
to condemn Herschel Walker for his worst day on the planet for which he sought repentance and forgiveness and sought rehabilitation and does want to define him by his worst day instead of letting him have a redemption story the Bible says he's entitled to. That's the Reverend Raphael Warnock, who also ran over his wife, ran from process servers to avoid having to pay child support, left his kids in the care of others and sealed his divorce records and is relying on the media to say, I don't know, we can't see his divorce records. He won't give us access, so we can't say it's true. That's the Reverend Raphael Warnock, who preaches a gospel of Jesus Christ that is not recognizable in the Bible, who wants you to know that Herschel Walker allegedly paid for an abortion 13 years ago and also wants you as a taxpayer to pay for an abortion until the moment a child comes out of the womb tomorrow. And that's going to matter for a lot of people. But all I can tell you is, Democrats, please spare me your outrage over Republicans not running from Herschel Walker when you won't run from a guy like John Fetterman or a guy like Raphael Warnock. You say, oh, it's just right-wing attacks. It's not true. Surprise, the Republicans are saying the same thing now, and you guys are the ones who started it. Does it make it right? No. But it sure as hell should explain it for you. So winter is coming, and I got to tell you, I love the weight of the bull and branch sheets. I like them in the summer when it's hot and you don't want a lot of covers on you. But in the wintertime, they're just the perfect weight, the perfect, I don't know, smoothness. They're 100% organic cotton threads. They've got super softness. They get softer every time you wash them. They're just the drape when you're laying down and stuff. They're not. They're just perfect sheets. I love them. Uh, I am effusive with my praise for Bull and Branch, and I'm delighted to have them as an advertiser. Look, they're made from the highest quality threads. They got superior softness. They got over 25,000 rave customer reviews and counting. I'm one of them. The quality you can tell is great. They hold up well after all the washes I've put them through, and they just get softer. It doesn't matter what the thread count is of the fiber sucks, and you can tell they put a lot of great detail into the fibers they use. And look, Bowler Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping, returns on all orders. You're going to feel the difference. You're not going to want to send them back. The first 100% organic fair trade certified betting company ever. They use 90% less water than conventional production, zero pesticides, other chemical chemicals. Toxic chemicals, they don't use them. It's just fantastic. Listen, I'm effusive with my praise. I love Bull and Branch. Try them for yourself. And again, you get a 30-night risk-free trial, free shipping, returns on all orders. Try the sheets that will make you fall for the coziest night's sleep in the season where you want cozy sheets. 15% off your first set of sheets. Free shipping when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BolandBranch.com. That's BolandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC. Trust me, they're worth it. We've got five bedrooms, five beds, Bolin Branch sheets on every bed. Hello, America. It's Eric Erickson. The phone number, 877-973-7425. I want to go to Larry. Larry, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, brother Eric? Good, how are you? Oh, man, I'm just wonderful, man. What's yep, going on? Hey, man, I'm, I, I, I listen to your show every day, man. I'm, to be honest and truthfully, I'm at work. There's probably all of the folks that works with me listening to you, too. I mean, listening <laughs> to this conversation, Well, too. don't get in hey, trouble. Man, hey, man, no, we cool, man. My, man, my, my president just passed me. Hey, man, do what you do. <laughs> you know, we good. Good. Yeah, yeah, man. But I listened to the uh, program last night, 
the, uh, the, the seminar that they had last night uh, with Nathan Deal and um, what's the broad name? Uh, whatever her name is. That's running against him. And, mm. uh, you know, we all Nathan Deal supporters. So, you Nathan, you, you mean Brian Kemp? I mean Brian Kemp. Brian Kemp. I'm sorry. I'm Brian Kemp supporters, you know, and he, he going to win it, man. Uh, you know, it, look, I, I, I think he is. And uh, Larry, look, I, I appreciate you calling in. Um, I What's so interesting here is going to be, what's the gap between Kemp and Walker in Georgia? My suspicion is it's going to be a big one. But I also wonder if Kemp's campaign can get Walker across the finish line, which is something the Democrats don't know and Republicans don't know, but Democrats are more worried about. Republicans are kind of putting their reassurance in the possibility of it. Back to the phones. Craig, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, Eric? Good. How are you? Good, good. Hey, I, I think uh, people tend to forget, you know, about 20 years ago or so, there was a candidate running in Illinois for the Senate. And somehow he got the uh, divorce records from his opposition unsealed. Yep. That candidate was Barack Obama, mm-hmm. and he was running against, uh, I don't uh, know, his wife was the actor on Star, Star Trek. Trek. Yeah. Yeah. And somehow he got the divorce records unsealed, and he won that election by disqualifying the opposition. Mm-hmm. And I feel that's the same thing Warnock's doing here. He can't win on the issues. Even though uh, Herschel Walker's a flawed candidate, because I didn't vote for him in the primaries. My man was Kendrick Johnson, because mm-hmm. I remember you did the thing with all the people running for Senate, and I really liked him. And uh, But, hey, Herschel got the nomination, and I'm voting for him because the Democrats are pure evil. They, they, they do this over and over and over again. With the help Craig, of the media. It, it was it was Jack Ryan, uh, not the fictional character from the Tom Clancy series, but the the Illinois investment banker who ran for the Senate against Barack Obama and uh, John Clemens Ryan. He was married to Jerry Ryan, uh, seven of nine in the Star Trek Voyager series and now the Picard series. Uh, and he had pressured his wife to perform sexual acts in public, according to accusations, that essentially his divorce record was sealed and it still got leaked. The media, the Democrats' machine in Illinois were able to get it and leak it despite it being sealed. And, of course, the media salivated over it, and he wound up dropping out of the race, if I remember right. The Republicans in Illinois put up Alan Keyes, who just got blown out of the water, by Barack Obama, and uh, Ryan actually was having a good go of it up until that moment, um, trying to push back against uh, Barack Obama. Probably still would have lost because it was 2004, but um, he had the backing of the Republican establishment until that happened, and they all abandoned him. Yeah, you got you to get those dirty tricks. Raphael Warnock's got his divorce record sealed, and no one has leaked it. Funny how that works in Democratic areas when Democratic politicians seal their divorce records. Welcome, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Before I move on, I want to go take Glenn's phone call. Welcome to the show, Glenn. How are you? I'm doing fine. Uh, I just wanted to mention a couple things about the Warnock uh, situation. But anyway, uh, first off, I wanted to give you a uh, Omaha Steaks commercial. I, I bought some because of you, and I suck at cooking steak. But I got one of their steaks. <laughs> Follow the simple instructions. 
And it was really good. In fact, the wife even said it's good. Usually when I cook for steaks, she she doesn't make a comment, which means it's bad. <laughs> so, but anyway, it worked out. So that, that's good. two products. I also got your uh, Eden Pures, and, and they do work. They work all the time for me. But um, Great. So, so I agree with you that a counterpunch for the, and this is not what I told you, your screener, but uh, your counterpunch uh, or, or one, or, or I'm sorry, Walker should come out and say, but hey, you know, I had all these concussions. It may be related to that. I don't know if he did in his book. But what I wanted to get to was Reverend Warnock, some questions for him on the abortion thing. Do you believe, and I'll try to make it quick, I'm sorry. Do you believe people have a soul connected to God? Okay, when does a person get their soul at conception, heartbeat, six months at birth? Before a person gets their soul, is their body like that of an animal? Is it, are they like an animal? Do you believe animals should be tortured and then, uh, then, then how can you? And he would say no. And then how can you justify the brutal uh, butchering and torture of of either fetuses that you consider as animals or people that are in late terms abortions? You know. Well, is- you know, I would be interested in hearing that from him. I I have heard some of Warnock's sermons and the like, and and um, the the man essentially takes his political views and twists scripture to conform to them. So it would be interesting to, to, to actually hear him talk about these things. You're right. And it probably alienates some people, you know, so there's a line in the Bible, Isaiah 40, uh, verse five, uh, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see, shall see it together. And the full context here, every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground will become smooth and the rugged land a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all humanity together will see it. And Warnock in a sermon one time talked about how he used to put the emphasis on the word glory. We will see God's glory. It will be revealed and all humanity together will see it. And he now thinks actually the emphasis needs to be on together, which is why uh, we have to get over our hesitation of allowing in the LGBTQ community into the church. Uh, We need to affirm them because without them, uh, we can't see God's glory because we all have to be together to see it. And so when we exclude anyone from a church, when we exclude anyone from Christendom, uh, we can't see God's glory. That that's essentially his message. It's it, it's counter. Um, it's it's heretical. It, it is uh, eisegesis, not exegesis. It's it's taking his view into the Bible as opposed to taking the Bible's view into his and reshaping his. But that's the sort of thing he does. He's a politician who uses the Bible, a Christian nationalist, if you will, to promote his views uh, and. No one, of course, on the left will call him out on it because they, they don't care about theology. They only like to use it to beat up Republicans. Now, I got to move on because this is the big story. This may actually be the biggest story of the year, and it is happening at this moment. The Dow Jones is down uh, 57 points. The NASDAQ down 69. S&P 500 down 13. Uh, today, not bad overall, though, given the trend lines, not good. And the problem and the reason the markets were actually down earlier is because of something that has happened. That is, OPEC has agreed to cut production by 2 million barrels a day. 2 million barrels a day. Now, there is some context here you need to know about. 
Um, and let me put this in perspective for you because this is not going to come out probably in much of the national press. The Saudis and the UAE, the United Arab Emirates where I grew up, the Bahrainians, the Omani, they are deeply, deeply angry about President Biden's deal with Iran. Now, you need to understand really what is happening with the deal with Iran. Uh, Joe Biden and his team are kind of desperate to bring back Barack Obama's Iran deal. The Israelis are opposed to it, and most Middle Eastern countries are opposed to it. The Sunni Muslims are deeply opposed to the Shiite Muslims. Iran is Shiite, the rest of the Middle East is Sunni. Now, this divide, very much like the, the Catholic Protestant, or really the, the Catholic Orthodox divide, the Great Schism, comes down to should a descendant of Muhammad lead Islam or should one of his faithful followers lead Islam? The Sunnis are on the side of a faithful adherent of Muhammad should lead Islam. And that's why you have a lot of imams, uh, the, the, the speakers, the preachers of, of Islam. You have a lot of pl- prominent clerics in Sunni Islam. It's very much more like, um, almost to a degree, like the Orthodox Church, where you, you, you've got uh, the head of the Russian Orthodox Church, you've got the head of the Greek Orthodox Church, who kind of takes some primacy, but there's a lot of autonomy. Uh, maybe think of it as Protestantism, where you got the Baptist and you got the Methodist and, and all this, but it's, it's more like the Orthodox, where you, you've got regional divisions, you've got the prominent voices in each, and they all kind of listen, and they're all in confederation together. Uh, and then you've got the Sunni Muslims or the Shiite Muslims, who are more Catholic, where instead of having the Pope, you have the Ayatollah in Iran. And the Ayatollah in Iran kind of provides guidance. There are prominent clerics of note within uh, Shiite Islam, but it ultimately comes back to the religious leaders in Iran. That is, to be sure, somewhat of a simplification. You don't need to email me and correct me. I'm trying to explain this to a broad audience as simply as I can. I grew up over there. Middle Eastern countries are opposed to Iran. Iran wants to dominate the Middle East, not just religiously, but as an economic and military superpower. Iran funds terrorism throughout the Middle East to go after states like the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain and Oman, Egypt, Jordan, and Saudi Arabia. Israel has increasingly become allies with those countries because Donald Trump basically said, I'm going to walk away and abandon you guys if y'all don't figure out how to get along. And it worked. It, much to the derision of the experts, much to the derision of the economic and, and international elite, Donald Trump's policy worked and brought some peace to the Middle East. The White House's continued demands that a deal with Iran be negotiated and put together has caused turmoil in the Middle East because these countries do not want Iran emboldened and they know, they absolutely know that if Joe Biden goes through with what he wants to do, Iran is going to be funded and emboldened and it's going to destabilize the Middle East. They are furious with Joe Biden. 
The Saudis are particularly furious with Joe Biden because Joe Biden has insulted their ruler, Mohammed uh, bin Saudi, MBS. They don't like um, Barack Obama or Barack, Joe Biden in Saudi Arabia because he has insulted their uh, designated ruler, who's not the king, but will become the king. Joe Biden did not want to meet with the man and finally was forced to go groveling to Saudi Arabia three months ago and beg them to produce more oil. And they have refused to produce more oil uh, in part because Joe Biden and his administration worked overtime to insult the Saudis. Mohammed bin Salman, not Mohammed bin Saud, in any event. Joe Biden went overtime to insult the guy and then finally had to go groveling to him for more money and more oil. Joe Biden is emboldening the Iranians. CNN has this report. I want to read this to you. The Biden administration launched a full-scale pressure campaign in a last-ditch effort to dissuade Middle Eastern allies from dramatically cutting oil production, according to multiple sources familiar with the matter. That effort appears to have failed following Wednesday's crucial meeting of OPEC, the international cartel of oil producers that, as expected, announced a significant cut to production in an effort to raise oil prices. That, in turn, will likely cause U.S. gas prices to rise at a precarious time for the Biden administration, five weeks before the midterms. On Wednesday morning, OPEC oil ministers meeting in Vienna agreed to an even larger production cut than the White House had feared, 2 million barrels a day beginning in November, according to a readout of the meeting released on Wednesday. The minister said the cuts were necessary in light of the uncertainty that surrounds the global economic and oil market outlooks. President Joe Biden told CNN's Arlette Saez on Wednesday he was concerned about the cuts, which he viewed as unnecessary. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken told reporters when asked about the move that when it comes to OPEC, we've made our clears, our views clear to the OPEC members. For several days, Biden's senior most energy, economic, and foreign policy officials were enlisted to lobby their foreign counterparts. Wednesday's production cut amounts to the largest cut since the beginning of the pandemic and could lead to a spike in oil prices. Some of the draft talking points circulated by the White House to the Treasury Department on Monday were obtained by CNN and framed the prospect of a production cut as a total disaster and warned it could be taken as a hostile act. It's important everyone is aware of how high the stakes are. The White House is having a spasm and panicking, another U.S. official said, describing the latest administration efforts as taking the gloves off. According to a White House official, the talking points were drafted and exchanged by staffers, but not approved by the White House leadership. For Biden, a dramatic cut in oil production could not come at a worse time. Oh, it's true. Couldn't come at a worse time. Five weeks before the election, gas prices will go up as a result. The For all of the talk of the media elite in this country and the Democrats that no one listened to Donald Trump, everyone mocked Donald Trump, everyone ridiculed Donald Trump. Donald Trump had a really good relationship with the Saudis. Donald Trump was able to get peace in the Middle East. Joe Biden has not only been disruptive in the Middle East and emboldened the Iranians, destabilized Saudi Arabia, caused terror attacks on Saudi Arabia. And yes, Joe Biden caused the terror attacks on Saudi Arabia by refusing to rule the Houthis 
a terrorist group. They're the terror group that Iran funds by refusing to condemn them, by refusing to take action against them, by deciding to bring Iran back to the peace table. Joe Biden inspired the attacks on an oil refinery in Saudi Arabia. Joe Biden is to blame for this. He is screwing our economy while putting a terror master at a peace table to give them money in Saudi Arabia, Israel, the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Oman, Egypt, the rest of the oil producing nations over there are instead now listening to Russia. Russia was at the table with the OPEC leaders telling them to raise prices. He, Russia, Vladimir Putin wants to hurt the West with high prices. And OPEC is happy to oblige because of what Joe Biden is doing with Iran, because of what Joe Biden is doing to treat Saudi Arabia poorly. They don't care about Joe Biden. Joe Biden has wrecked our foreign policy in the Middle East and is now wrecking our economy, and they will have their revenge. They do not care about you and me paying high oil prices. In part, why? Because Joe Biden has neutralized our domestic production abilities through a series of woke regulators who slow everything down, through a series of executive orders curtailing expansion of oil and gas production and exploration in the United States, through a series of acts that drive up the costs for investors if they want to invest in oil through advancing the ESG agenda that goes after oil companies. The Biden administration has screwed all of us now. Five weeks before the election is going to blow up on him. The Biden administration is getting what it deserves. Unfortunately, you and I are going to have to deal with the fallout of it, but these these countries have no willingness to help Joe Biden because of how terribly Joe Biden's administration has treated them and treated them so badly to advance Iran. By the way, don't believe me on this? Believe the Wall Street Journal here. This is not the editorial section. This is the actual reporters. Federal oil leases have slowed to a trickle under the Biden administration. They've leased fewer acres for oil and gas drilling offshore and on federal land than any other administration in its early stages dating back to the end of World War II. President Biden's Interior Department leased 126,228 acres for drilling through August 20th, his first 19 months in office. No other president since Richard Nixon leased out fewer than 4.4 million acres at this stage of his first term. Harry Truman was the last president to lease out fewer acres, 65,658 in 1945. Biden's chickens are coming home to roost. And if it costs the Democrats the election in November, I have zero sympathy for them. They have taken it to our Middle Eastern allies. They've put Iran over our allies. They've treated Iran better than Saudi Arabia and Israel. And those countries are in no mood to help him or you and me because of Joe Biden. If you want to help Republicans take back Congress and rebuild relationships, there's actually an easy way you can do it. You just take your cell phone business to Patriot Mobile. They actually help fund conservative candidates and the conservative cause. They want to do business with you. They're Christian conservatives. They have an in-house group that helps identify core races, key people to help. They give their money to the cause. It's a great setup. All you do is you take your cell phone business to them, you help them generate profits, and then they help fund the conservative movement. And you get guaranteed great service because they use the same cell towers everybody else uses. You can even take your existing phone number and roll it over to a Patriot Mobile account. 
All you do is go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You can also call them. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service, 972-PATRIOTS, the number 972-PATRIOT. Roll over to Patriot Mobile today. Help them grow. They help the conservative movement grow, and then you get better policy in America because conservative uh, policy gets implemented when conservatives get elected. Patriotmobile.com slash Eric. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The full number, 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. And if you text the word SHOW to 33777, you can get the podcast links. You can get the email. You can sign up for the email. If you sign up for the email, you'll get all the show notes um, every day as the show starts. You can follow along. I, I don't like to think for you. I like to provide you the information so you can think for yourself and sort things out. We we have some additional news here that you need to know. The national debt has topped $31 trillion for the first time. Now, there's a problem here. Interest rates are going up. And as interest rates come up, uh, it makes the debt service payment larger, which cuts into the ability to fund the rest of the government. America's gross national debt exceeded $31 trillion for the first time Tuesday, a grim financial milestone that arrived just as the nation's long-term fiscal picture is darkened amid rising interest rates. The breach of the threshold, which was revealed in a Treasury Department report, comes at an inopportune moment as historically low interest rates are being replaced with higher borrowing costs as the Federal Reserve tries to combat rising inflation. While record levels of government borrowing to fight the pandemic and finance tax cuts were once seen by some policymakers as affordable, the higher rates are making American debt more costly over time. So many of the concerns we've had about our growing debt path are starting to show themselves as we both grow our debt and grow our rates of interest, as Michael Peterson, the chief executive of the Peter Peter Peterson Foundation, which promotes deficit reduction. Y'all, I've had people warning me about this for so long, uh, telling me the moment interest rates rise, we're going to be in a world of hurt, and we are. We are in a world of hurt. Um, That's not good. It's not good at all. Um, We'll be back. Why are conservative women the happiest? I want to tell you.